This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. And run. The Blitz 1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. When the forest burns along the road. Dumbest turnover I've ever seen in my life. I hope he nails it. He does! Oh he my knocks it God. down! My God. As Furman has taken the lead with 2.2 seconds left over Virginia. Oh the absolute God. worst <laughs> basketball decision I've ever seen in my life for Virginia. He got tied up, he got trapped, he just took the ball and heaved it into the sky past half court trying to run as much time out. Watch this. Oh, no, that was out of bounds play. He just threw it off for everyone. Furman catches it at midcourt. Oh. In rhythm. Quick outlet pass. And sinks the three. Did it get tipped by the... By I don't, the, I don't by, know, but there was no there was no Virginia player was that was down there. He was trying to hurl it to the corner. You saw the guy in the corner over there, didn't you? No. He was trying to hurl it over to the guy in the My corner. God. So I was just looking up here as uh, we're watching the replay of it here. So, yeah, he catches it from the corner. They went back to Clark, the inbounder. He's from almost the baseline. He's got his back turned. He just just tries to, over his shoulder, it was tipped. Caught about midcourt. They found the open shooter, and that is all she wrote. So here during the break, I was looking up Furman men's basketball. So it brought home... $2,641,000 $2,641,000 in revenue paid out the exact same amount. So that means it made no money in terms of basketball, which is not a surprise, right? Like this year? This was last year. Okay. Which is good because that means they're not in the red, and there's not many profitable basketball programs in the country in general. But just to compare it, <laughs> Virginia spends over $7 million annually in basketball. That's what they spend. <laughs> So, yes, one of my favorite parts of March Madness are the massive update or massive upsets that we see, and we just had one with Furman and Virginia. Do you want to know uh, the? Not uh, a good day, not a good day at all for the Virginias because West Virginia said adios as well. Yes, Matt. I was going to say, do you want to know the total athletic budgets of both programs? Oh, please tell me. Furman is at thirty million. Virginia is at one hundred and six. Furman. How much was Furman? Thirty. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, well they have a That's they have a what I would have guessed. They have a respectable football program too. Seventy million dollar difference. Yep, and dude, yeah. that's what makes March so, so basically. Magical. So basically, you're telling me like that's the difference between the Pac-12's media deal and what the Big Ten's going to get, like a seventy exactly. million dollar difference. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it what it's going to look like. Okay. All right. Uh, let's hit up the hotline and welcome in Dean Rule, who joins us now here on the Blitz 1170. He covers Oklahoma State. By the way, if you're wondering where we're at, Elgin Park. I know it's raining outside, but it's awesome inside right now. We're here with Coors Light. Come by, get an ice cold beer, watch some great basketball, and sign up to win a trip to Kansas City where you could find yourself watching a team cut down the nets up at the Midwest Regional in Kansas City. It's hotel tickets and also some spending cash all for you, but you got to stop by here and uh, scan the QR code. All right, Dean Rule joins us now here on the Blitz. What's going on, Dean? How are you, buddy? 
I I don't think I'm having as great a time as you are having just based on the background noise I'm hearing from you. Sounds like there's a party going on behind you. Yeah, you should be here. For real though. Yeah, you you should uh you should really be here and, and uh hanging out. It is. It's it's fun, man. There's basketball on everywhere. They got a uh, packed house that's here on this uh afternoon on a Thursday to open up the NCAA tournament. Oh, and it's also Austin 316 day, so can't forget that. Oh wow. <laughs> can't forget that today I, as well. Wow. Yes. Yes. Oh, hell yeah, it is 316 day as we open up the tournament. Uh, Dean, we were talking earlier. Like I, I did not have a good feeling about Oklahoma State going into last night. I just didn't. And it, 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 it did have something to do with the way that they've played down the stretch. You'd be a, a moron not to think that the way that they've played didn't factor into this. I was just worried from a mentality standpoint. They thought they had done enough to get a bid. They didn't get it. We've, we'd already seen Rutgers bow out. We've seen other teams that have been high seeds in the NIT that lose early. You don't know what a team's interest is going to be. You're not getting to host. That had the makings of being a trap game for Oklahoma State. And there was a point last night where it looked like that that's exactly what it was going to be, from foul trouble to not playing well for the first 30 minutes and, and trailing that entire time. But at the end of the night, they found a way to pull out a victory um, over Youngstown State and to get to come back home. Where were you at with where this team was at mentally heading in last night? Did you have the same concerns? I had 100% I had the same concerns because when you look at this OSU team, yeah, they thought they had done enough to get in. They're the first team out. That's Mike Boynton described that as just excruciating, being the first team out. You almost want to be the second team out. It might hurt just a little less. But, you know, that's going to that's gonna hurt. And then taking it on the road, going to – you know, Ohio against this super small school. Um, it's a, it's a, it was a recipe for disaster. So I 100% agree with you there. And that first half really showed it when they couldn't hit a three. Those those offensive problems that they were dealing with the whole time, that were this whole season, continued to haunt them in that first half. And they were able to figure it out, you know, and, and – they figured it out down low. That's where they won this game at. When you have Musa Cisse and uh, Keon Williams and Tyreek Smith all getting the double-double for the you – know, I think that's the first time that's happened for an OSU school since 2009. Or for an OSU team, that's the first time that's happened since 2009. So, yeah, you, you, uh, you definitely question the mindset going into that. Where is this team at? And Mike Boynton said on Monday, you know, we want to go win this thing. We're going to go to compete. This is not the new standard, but we're going to go try to win this. And and they showed something there in the second half that there was still some care left, even though they're shorthanded and, you know, Chris Harris Jr.'s out, Avery Anderson's out. They, they still showed some fight. I mean, Caleb Boone was sick last night. And and in his place, as has been going on the past couple of weeks, Tyreek Smith has stepped up, and, and I think a lot of credit goes to the way he's been playing the past couple of weeks because – it's it's saved them down low at times. Ty, Tyreek uh, doing a good job with the 13 points. But another player I was kind of curious about was Keon Williams getting that 28 minutes. I mean, the most minutes he's seen all season. Uh, if Correct me if I'm wrong. I know there's been some injuries that he's had to fill that role. But, I mean, why? what did you think about his performance and why did he get so many minutes other than somebody else coming off the bench and other people, you know, playing a, a more important role? Yeah, I think with with Keon, true freshman, he made some freshman mistakes out there, but I'd say it's probably 
the best game of of his season. Um, and I mean, he was he was the one early on, even when they were down by I think I think they were down by nine was the highest their deficit got last night, and he stepped up and and he kind of showed some fight, and I think that was crucial in in them turning turning that game around. So I think you're starting to see a bit of maturity from him almost. I know he's still a true freshman, but he's showing something. And, you know, he, he had some – he inbounded the ball late in the game. That led to a turnover. There's still those freshman mistakes you're seeing from him. But with a shorthanded bench, with – and Caleb Boone was not 100%. He, he was dealing with an illness, they said. Keon Williams, it didn't seem to phase him that he had to step up and to record a double-double. I mean, he showed something last night for sure. So, Dean Rubel is our guest here on the Blitz, 1170. I know that Asbury hit some shots last night, but we're right back to where we were before with this team just not shooting overall well from the field at all, especially from three-point. And, and it's fine. That's who, that's who they are, right? They, they're probably not as good as what they were at one point during the season, and it's not great that they're getting worse, but there is a positive side in this from last night's game, and that is they identified where their strength was and how to win that game, and that was the dominant fashion that they had on the inside. They exploited that in the second half. This wasn't necessarily one of those where, yes, it doesn't look great when you combine them up and they go four from 19 from downtown, but I would rather them go four from 19 than say, six from 30 where they just keep jacking up threes left and right they identified where the weakness was with a team that was out physical and out athleted last night yeah 100 percent. i mean this is something this team has struggled with all season long is what is the offensive identity and it's lost in games down the stretch and that's where a lot of fan frustration comes from i think just there doesn't seem to be an offensive identity and, and you almost it almost looks like it clicked last night because when they were lofting up threes early in the first half and they were just not falling, they got away, they went away from that game. They realized, we can win this down low. We're bigger, we're stronger, we're more physical. And that's what they did, and it worked. And, and on the opposite side, Youngstown State, they live and die by the three. And so when, when OSU is going on their run and they eventually tie the game up, Youngstown State keeps throwing up those threes, and, and OSU's defense was able to shut them down. And then on the other end, she was able to get back and get it down low and score those points in the paint, get those second-chance points, offensive rebounds, all that factored in. Anything anything and everything that went down in the paint last night is the reason she won this game. And you almost have to wonder, what if they had figured out this a little earlier and, and they would have prioritized that? And I get the Big 12 is going to have big, strong guys just like Musa Sisse and Tyreek Smith. But you almost wonder if you could have used that a little more. And I, I think... At points they did when Caleb Boone was having his great performances and scoring 27 points against Kansas or 23 against Kansas State. That was that was so successful for Ocean, and that's when they were going on these runs. They are getting all these wins, and it seems like they kind of lost that a little bit down the stretch when they were losing all these games. Me and Pop were talking about this earlier, and it's one of the things that the broadcast crew mentioned yesterday during the game as far as you're not going to be able to play as physical of defense that you did in the Big 12 in these tournaments. Is that something that, you know, Boynton and the team have concerns about or is something that, that's on, on their minds or that they've even thought about? I, I would say there's probably minimal concern for them because 
when we look at the first half versus the second half last night, they adjusted to that, and, and they made it work for them. Um, yeah, it, it was interesting watching that game because a couple times I said, I, I was just asked myself, I said, really, that's a foul? When it's been letting – Yeah, man. Officials have been letting it go all season long in the Big 12. So it was an adjustment just for me watching this team, and so I'm sure it was an adjustment for that coaching staff. But I would say, you know, that coaching staff is smart. They know how to adjust. They got that taken care of, and, and that's why I don't think it was as big a deal in the second half, and I would assume it's not going to be a concern at all going forward into, into this game against Eastern Washington. I, last night, to me anyway, you come away from that game with everything that they were up against to go on the road. I, I feel like that victory has taken a ton of pressure off of their shoulders, right, from being the number one overall seed, going up there and winning in an environment that, I mean, was great for a smaller school. Uh, but to go up there and the win like that, it feels like that maybe now, along with figuring a few things out, that I wouldn't be shocked now to see this team maybe play some of the best basketball that they've played in the last two, three, maybe even a month. Well, I, I 100%, you know, the, the thing about last night was I think that the, the last thing that they want to accomplish this season is to not end the season with a whimper. You don't want to lose the Youngstown State in the first round on the road on some, you know, Wednesday night game in the NIT. I'm not saying they need to go out and win the NIT for this, this to be successful, but, hey, you want to show a little bit of fight. You want to close the season on a good note with a good effort. And, and, and push that, you know, it's all about carrying momentum over next year. That, that's what this is going to be about because, I mean, they have a great recruiting class for me. They have a top 10 recruiting class. I still think it's top 10. Um, I haven't looked at it in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, that, that's still an a, a elite recruiting class that you have coming in with some guys that can contribute right off the bat. Carry some of this momentum over, whether it be you go out and win this BNIT, maybe you win on Sunday and you lose next week, whatever it is. Whatever you has to consider a good effort and a good way, you know, just end the season on a good note somehow and carry that momentum into next year because you're still getting a lot of these guys to come back on this team. This core can still kind of return if they want. The transfer portal is going to be interesting to watch, obviously. Um, you know, no, and, and, and with with the recruiting class that they've got, I think there's there's cause for some hope going into next season, but I think you need to start seeing results now. The uh, last thing that I have for you is a simple question because I haven't had a chance to look yet. Does anyone know anything about Eastern Washington at all? Because I don't. <laughs> they're uh, they're a little bit like Youngstown State, same kind of similar situation. Uh, they beat Washington State on Tuesday night up in Pullman, so. Yep. They've got a good win so far in the NIT, but uh, we'll see how they match up against LSU. Well, it should be fun, man, for sure. Glad to see them uh, get an opportunity to come back home and play at uh, GIA there at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. Dean, good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. We'll uh, definitely be in touch again soon. And uh, as, as always, thanks, man, for coming on with us. Of course. Appreciate it. That's Dean Rule joining us here on the Blitz 1170, covering Oklahoma State for the Tulsa World, getting an important win last night. Now moving on, Eastern Washington. So that means a noon pregame here on the Blitz on Sunday.
for the Pokes in the NIT. We also have the women's game for you coming up on Saturday as well here on the Blitz 1170. That is a 12.30 start with their pregame show uh, right here on the Blitz. All right, let's take a timeout. After Furman's upset over Virginia, according to the NCAA March Madness website, that means that there are just 10.67% of brackets that are still perfect. <laughs> Through their bracket contest that they have. I haven't seen <laughs> ESPN or anyone else put up. Uh, so, yeah, so here it's funny. You were talking about Tony Bennett. So Virginia basketball has a national title and three first-round exits against double-digit seeds to show up in their last four March Madness trips. So it's either win the tournament or get beaten the first round by double-digit seeds for Tony Bennett and uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. Poor Tony. Not great. Not Poor great at all. Tony. All right, uh, timeout. We're live at Elgin Park. We'll tell you why. That's next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.